please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you. everyone welcome to the fourth of july vagabond exchange episode numero 30 dose actually it's 31 i was wrong the last time oh you suck at life <laughs> i'm emily and there's some other guy here today yeah, brad as you i'm brad be rad um once again we're coming to you from a dining room somewhere in sultry nashville tennessee yes. what's up not much. Happy 4th. Happy 4th. Yay. It's the celebration of the birth of our country. Yes. Woo-hoo. Fireworks tonight. Yeah. Are we going? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, well, we've had a good weekend so far. Mm-hmm. Done some uh, little little uh, tour to Nashville this weekend. Right. Sort of. <laughs> what did we do? Well, we're, I was thinking we were going to go to that art exhibit, but we didn't. No. But actually, let's let's start off because we had a nice little surprise from the one person that we know listens to this regularly, our favorite Seattleite, who allows us to abuse him mercilessly on a regular basis. Seattle Joe, yeah, welcome back, Seattle Joe. We're happy to have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Seattle Joe sent us yet another thoughtful, meaningful. And long it's like out. he sits down. He does. Thinks it out. And this is why I love Seattle Joe, whether he's, he's a serial killer or not. I love him. He's awesome. Well, when you're in prison, you have plenty of time. <laughs> so. so. So I'm not going to read all of Joe's email because we get, try to keep this podcast to a certain length. But basically, he says that he's still listening and that we need to keep doing the show. Joe, I don't know that we ever said we were going to stop doing it. We just said nobody listened. Right. But thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, and he said that he had some questions and comments, if we don't mind. And we do mind, but we're going to read them anyway. <laughs> so, Joe um, has recognized the fact that summer movies aren't very good this year and came up with some additional topics for us. One, and Joe will get to this, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um, he mentioned that a couple... Uh, Friends of his in Seattle saw Cirque du Soleil's Kuza. I assume that's how that's pronounced. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's a part of the show called The Wheel of Death where the audience uh, sort of feels the uh, lower GI issues that one might feel when they're on a centrifugal force type apparatus. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted us to watch the YouTube video and talk about the performance. And we will. Yes. Have you watched it yet? No. But we will. Yes. Did you watch it? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So. He also says that he really enjoys hearing about Nashville and Michigan, William. Yeah. So there. Well. Um, in Nashville, what are some good restaurants? We'll make a couple good suggestions today, so stay tuned. <clears throat> um, what's the music scene like? I can answer that in one question. Country. That's not <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Super awesome country always. Now, there, the music scene here is weird to me, I guess. Because, like... Uh, there's obviously a lot of country music, um, but there's also, I guess you'd call it like alternative rock. Right. Um, there's a lot of really cool small venues where local and national bands come to play. Yeah. We don't get a lot of big music here unless it's country. Um, there's a f- 
handful of shows that come to our biggest venue, which is the Somay Center, where the Nashville Predators play. Um, but other than that, we don't have an outdoor venue anymore. It's kind of, I mean, you'd think Nashville, oh gosh, there must be music all the time everywhere. And there is, but it's not, we don't get headliners like you think we would. Unless we're talking like Brad Paisley well, and Dirk Bentley. I mean, when I, you I say headliners, what do you mean? Like we Red had, Hot Chili Peppers. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know how many of those concerts actually still go. <laughs> I know I'm that, trying to make a legitimate I'm sorry, point okay, here. I'm sorry, make your point. For instance, we have Bonnaroo, mm-hmm. which... Is not in Nashville. But it's in Tennessee. Is not in Nashville. It's a festival that happens it's a in festival. some cornfield in western Tennessee. All right. We okay. get, we is that get, right? It is correct, but okay. we're the only ones. I mean, it's a Tennessee thing. Yes, it's not in Nashville, but everybody migrates from Nashville to this thing. I know he's only asking about Nashville, but if we're talking about music. I'm giving you a hard time. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and we used to have an outdoor venue, and we used to get a lot of, I think we probably still do get a lot of big acts. I just don't pay it as much attention. I pay attention. I know you do, but... But so I'm saying we don't get all of that many big acts. I don't know if that's true. They skip Nashville a lot because I I get email updates about groups that I like and venues that I like. And when you talk about a city like Detroit in Michigan, which is not known for its music other than Motown, they get way more bands and have way more venues than we have here for a supposed music city, air quotes. So that's what I'm saying. Of course, you know, I know I dog on Nashville all the time, but I, I was a little disappointed with the lack of venues when I moved here because I thought there it, it would just be like, oh, man, where where can't like how are we going to make a choice of what music we're going to see today? I think there are a ton of venues. I just think they're all there's they're stuff like you bars. have to seek out. And they're all like like bars, like 75 people. So you're talking about like concert halls. Yeah. I mean, you've got the we Ryman, have so many, the still, Ryman still pretty small. It's small, but you've got like some substantial War accident. Memorial and some of those places, but it's not and like it's a, a it's not like a pine knob that we had, which is like an outdoor amphitheater. It's great. Well, so anyway, I find it a little disappointing, but you can find good fresh music here. For example, last weekend we went to this kind of like underground club thing. Right? You're talking about my cousin's performance? Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll talk about it more in depth, but yeah. that was a really cool. We saw it some really cool. good music, but yeah. I wouldn't have known about that if we hadn't but known someone a, who was performing. Right. But there are places like uh, the Latin Quarter in Nashville. They right. get some really good music. And sometimes it's all it's hit and miss. Well, most places are hit and miss no matter where you are. That's what I'm saying, depending though. On so your, your, taste. your opportunities for music are <clears throat> hit and miss depending on your taste. And an occasional country show. I'm saying most places, no matter where you go, it's going to be. I disagree. I disagree. But but I also think other places have venues that nab large shows, like the ones that we don't get here. And I've also read many an article in local Nashville papers as well as the Tennessean that say it's hard to sell tickets in Nashville because everybody gets them for free because everybody's in the business, Hmm. so nobody wants to buy tickets to go to shows. So that's why a lot of the large shows skip us and go to Atlanta or Louisville or Charlotte, all these other southern cities. Okay. Look it up. I'm telling you. It's all true. right. I'm not. I will take your word on it. I didn't realize you were going to get 
snarky about it. I'm not snarky. <laughs> I'm just, I want people to know the truth. I don't want them to come to Nashville thinking they're going to get something they're not. Well, if, Joe, if you want to see I would recommend country music, then yes. Come to Nashville. Yeah. I don't know what kind of music you're into, actually. He mentioned it maybe a while ago, didn't he? Maybe not. I think he likes death metal. Yeah. And uh, the Carpenters. Hmm. I like the Carpenters too. I do too. Do we want to talk about it now or later? The Bell Court? Sure. Yeah. The Bell Court just got a big upgrade. Um, the Bell Court, we've talked about it a few times, but um, if you want to check it out, it's a historical theater in Nashville um, that plays a lot of first-run indie films that don't hit kind of the mainstream regal cinemas that we usually go to. Mm-hmm. And they also show um, concerts, some kind of hard-to-find, uh, more obscure films, I guess you could say. Yeah, a lot of... Um um, what do you, what do you call them when they bring back old films? Oh yeah, I don't know what that's called. Uh, like they have Cla- like a lot of the class. They'll play a lot of the classics. They had a whole Alfred Hitchcock yeah series. They had um, Cary Grant. Cary Grant, yeah. At Christmas time, they show it's, it's a, wonderful a wonderful life, life every year. Yeah. So it's kind of and they're doing an outdoor series this summer. Right. So just a lot of kind of. Fun opportunities for you to see movies a second time and also catch movies you might not be able to see in mainstream theaters. And it doesn't feel like a new kind of contemporary theater. It has a kind of warm, cozy feel to it. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And they were running a big campaign thing, I guess you could call it, to get new seats. Because I will say the seats were a bit difficult to maneuver sometimes. Because I was always slightly afraid that the chair was going to fall out from under me while I was watching the movie. But they have two theaters. One is kind of their main theater that was built in 1925. Is mm-hmm. that right? And they've completely redone the seats and the carpet in that theater. So it's all shiny and new. But they've kept all the architecture inside. And then they're working on the other theater that they have that's a little bit smaller. So yep. check it out. It's pretty cool. Give mm-hmm. to the bell court. So, Yeah. Since we are uh, talking about the Bell Court, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the movie we saw? I do want to talk about the yesterday movie we saw. documentary. Actually, yes, we saw Joan Rivers' "A Piece of Work," which is a documentary about us, uh, sort of about Joan Rivers' life, kind of a year in the life of Joan Rivers. Yeah, and then of course she looks back, sort of on how she came to be so well known and funny and recognized. Yeah, the struggles she kind of had, and uh, of course the well-known um, assass- or suicide by her, her husband. husband, and right. Yeah, there was a a point within the documentary where I remember her leaving or not doing Johnny Carson anymore. Because I remember when she got her own show. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I guess, I didn't think that she had been kind of like blackballed by uh, I didn't N- know NBC. That. Yeah. yeah, and that she hadn't been on NBC. So I guess until. The Donald Trump thing, right? Yeah. Celebrity Apprentice, right? I didn't. I did, I was surprised by that too. I didn't know that he he was so offended by her getting her own show, right? And it kind of cut her off and hanging up on her. She said that he hung up on her like uh, three times over and over again, right? And never spoke to her again. Yeah, it's very weird. So it's sad. Yeah. 
so yeah. But uh, no, it was <laughs> I I enjoyed the documentary. Um, I'm a fan of Joan Rivers. I mean, I knew I know that she's been around a long time, and I can only imagine what a struggle it would have to be to be a female comedian, mm-hmm. especially you know 60s 70s during those times and she's on mike douglas and ed sullivan and she's doing all these hit shows and also because she's a little bit edgy right and so you whenever you have an edgy comedian whether it's a male or a female they're kind of treading on thin ice right but especially when it's a woman because people are telling you this isn't the kind of stuff that women say but it's like they said in the movie without like originally years ago, you had Moms Mabley, then Phyllis Stiller, mm-hmm. then Joan Rivers kind of picked it up. And you think without Joan Rivers, you probably wouldn't have Kathy Griffin, which is basically kind of the same, same kind thing. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Silverman. Um, I think like Roseanne. I don't think any. I'm well. I wouldn't say any, but really most female comics, I think, would look different. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Um, I thought the documentary was also revealing in that you kind of, when you see Joan Rivers on stage and stuff like that, she's brash, she's kind Mm -hmm. of right in your face, but you see that she's, uh, her sensitivity, she's kind of vulnerable in a way. Yes, And her daughter mentions the fact that she's kind of a shy person, which when you think of comedians, especially comedians like that, you don't really see them as being shy or putting up that kind of wall where they're... You know, they're so abrasive, you imagine that they, they're they the ones taking over the room whenever right. they walk in. Right, Um And also that she's very much a philanthropist. Yes. She, she likes to help people. There's a scene where uh, she has to... Because f- you think, a lot of times you see these people and you're going, where's all this money going that they have to... <laughs> first of all, she seems to be a workaholic. Right, right. But also, she's been around a long time. You figure she's very wealthy. But you kind of get a glimpse into where a lot of her money goes because it's not just on her. She's There's a scene where she's writing out checks for all these various reasons. So, Anyway, no, I, I enjoyed the documentary. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. I thought it was very touching. And I don't, I'm not a particularly big fan of Joan Rivers. I like her comedy. I don't like that she chose to take it in the direction of lambasting other women's other women on the red carpet. That's the part that that bothers me is her red carpet specials. Um, but I really, I kind of changed my mind about her when I saw this, this documentary. Not only that, but she doesn't seem to have a lot of friends. The Her friends are the people that take care of her, that she works with. Right. Who um, have kind, kind of come and go, but you sort of felt bad for her in that capacity. And there's this really touching scene with her grandson where they're on their way to deliver meals at Thanksgiving time. And so you see kind of a different side of her that's not just her pushing the envelope as far as what she can say. Right. So I enjoyed it. I liked I liked it. I thought the documentary was well done. I liked the clips that they showed of her from The Tonight Show and her other... Uh, late night appearances. Uh, there was also kind of a running subplot about this play that she had written that she ran in London and right. wasn't sure if she would do in New York, but um, showed kind of some of those performances. So it was cool to see. I mean, first of all, she kicks ass that she's 75 years old and does more in a day than I do in two months. Right. But she's, and she 
just keeps going. I don't think she sleeps. She's like they would show her. She'd be on a plane at three thirty in the morning writing notes, and then the next morning she'd be up speaking somewhere, and then she'd have two shows, one early afternoon and one at night, and then she'd be doing a QVC gig at midnight. I mean, right. I don't know how she does it. And so, she mentions how, you know, a blank calendar is like one of her worst fears. Right. The, the white of a calendar. Right. Where there's nothing written there. No dates and, you know. Bothered her. Right. So, so it's kind of, <clears throat> it's kind of cool to see that she still got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. There are a lot of insecurities that she talks about in her ability to make people laugh and in her ability to just be a good person. Right. So. Yeah. So, definite recommend. Absolutely. Yep. And it's a 84-minute documentary, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Right. Yep. Right. I liked it. Yep. Um, you want to go ahead and talk about the other movie we saw last weekend? Sure. Um, last weekend, we decided to check out Grown Ups, which stars Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade, Rob Schneider, uh, Adam Sandler, Salma Hayek. Maya Rudolph, mm-hmm. uh, Maria Bello. Mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi has, yeah. a, has a little role. Kind couple, of the uh, Adam Sandler regulars. You'll see, yeah, you'll yeah. see some of those goofy supporting characters that he's got and everything else. Right. Um, yeah, but Grown Ups follows the story of is it five or six guys. I don't remember. <laughs> um, why are you laughing? No reason. Yes, you are. Um, who basically meet back up after their basketball coach from their junior high years passes away. Right. And they decide to get back together and rent this house on a lake that they used to rent all the time, apparently. And it sort of is about their families coming together, but also these guys kind of reuniting now that they're older and grown up and figuring things out as husbands and fathers. Right. Sort of a flimsy plot, um, a lot of one-liners. And <laughs> right. It's almost like a bunch of guys. I almost got the impression it's like, hey, let's do a movie. It's yeah. almost like, hey, let's put on a show if you're a musician or something. Get get together with the rest of the band that yep. you haven't seen in a while. Yep. You just hang out and just make jokes and, you know, make tons of money because the movie's doing really well. Yeah. Um, and these are all SNL guys except for Kevin James. Right. And I kind of mentioned to you i think chris Far- that was probably that would have been chris farley in that movie Agreed. had he lived Agreed. so um not a great movie but it has its <laughs> moments i didn't hate it as much as i thought i was going to i didn't really want to see it and but i laughed more than i thought i would yeah so i'll say that much i would say it's more of a family film it is because there's a lot about you know making your kids play outside and not you know pulling them away from the playstation and and there's a really cool scene where they, the kids are being really quiet and they figure out that they've kind of uh, made their own fun inside. Right. So it's, I think it's it's probably better suited for families then. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot less, um, uh, you know, nasty. It, yeah. It's not, it's a kind of... Crude, a, a, less crude, crude humor. Yeah. Than, a new and improved Adam Sandler, who isn't angry all the time. Yes, yes. He's not punching people in the face. And although some of those movies are fun, <laughs> funny, but yes. it's nice to see him in a It's for a different lighter. crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would. it's light. 
it's easy. You'll get a couple laughs. I wouldn't run out and see it if there's something else you'd want to see, but right. I didn't hate it. Okay. Did you hate it? No, I enjoyed it. Um, Kevin James, I actually, I really like Kevin James. I li- I'm I ready too. for him to do another movie, maybe something a little bit better than Paul Blart. Although Paul <laughs> right. Blart was Pretty immensely successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought that we didn't give our ratings for um, Joan Rivers. Oh, we didn't give our ratings for Joan Rivers, which we usually do yeah. on imdb.com. Yeah. So what would you give Joan Rivers? Uh, 7.5. I would give it an 8. 6.4? 6.4. Yeah. Hmm. Well. There you go. There you go. Now, what about Grown Ups? Uh, Grown Ups, I'd give a six. Yeah, I'd give it the same. 5.2. Ouch. (laughs) Well, it seems to be doing well despite that. Yeah, it's... um, (laughs) Not much critical acclimation. But, I mean, if compared to other Adam Sandler movies, I wonder if their ratings are much higher. Yeah, me too. Me too. So... So, yeah, that was our... Once again, we reiterate, there really are no movies to watch this summer. So no good movies. We're just kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I mean... As you can see. How many? How long has it been since the Tom Cruise movie has come out? And I've been like, I have no desire to see that. It came out, what, last week? Yeah. It's made $45 million. Yeah, which isn't... Bad, but I don't think it's... They yeah. probably made up for what they spent on it. Yeah, the fact that the last Airbender has made seventy million shocks me. I mean, I know it's a kids' movie, but I just hear it's horrible. Yeah, and I don't I, think there's anything out though. I think that's why you're seeing that. Twilight is just kicking ass. Um, what do we have coming up? I don't know. I don't know. We have well, there's s- a bunch of stuff going on at the Bell Court that we want to see. Right. I am love and uh, uh, Winter's Bone. Right. And the sequel to. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes, the girl who the played, girl played with, with fire. fire. Yep. Yeah. So, and Cyrus is coming out eventually. We want to see that. Yep. And um, there was something else. Anyway. The other guys. That's the other thing we wanted to see. Yeah. With Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Do you want to see Eat, Pray, Love? I do. Yeah. You don't have to. Have you read it? Unless you want to. Yes, I have. Was it good? It was. Plus James. Why do you think I wouldn't want to see it? James Franco. Hmm? James Franco. Yeah. Why do you think I wouldn't James want Franco. to see it? All right, never mind. Because it's kind of a chick flick. That's why. The American it's comes out. It's got your boyfriend Javier Bardem in it. I, I want to see it. I like... You want to make sweet, sweet love to Javier Bardem? Yep. So, yeah, that's what we did when we saw some movies. And we'll see <laughs> some more, and we'll talk about them. Yep. Right? This is a dill pickle, a mighty pretty pickle, especially when he joins you at the show. We have lots of pretty pickles waiting for you at the refreshment center. They're plump, tender, mouth-watering. Wouldn't one taste good right now? So last weekend, yeah. we had a very eventful time. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned it on our last podcast. We were doing a couple, three things. Right. Um, so Tracy Morgan came to Zany's Comedy Club here in Nashville, yeah. and we decided to... <laughs> you making out with the microphone? Just seeing how close I can get to it. James Franco. All right. Um, <laughs> so we decided to go spend an evening with him since we watch 30 Rock and many of his late night appearances and laugh hysterically. What we did not do when we saw Tracy Morgan live was laugh hysterically because Tracy Morgan is a bit of a douche. 
And Tracy Morgan thinks that women are only good for um, depositing semen. And that, what else? Oh, and apparently didn't get the memo that stand up means you stand up. You don't sit in a chair the whole time. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm really, I really don't even want to waste any breath on this. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, you go ahead. Let me give you my take on it. Your man take on it. Um, First of all, there were three comedians. Yes. It was kind of the the MC. Yes. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's been at, we saw it at Zanies, and he's been at Zanies for probably 10 or 15 years. I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next guy, Bradley Lee or something like that, kind of a uh, hefty black comedian. Yeah. All the comedians that evening were African-American comedians. Correct. There's a reason why I'm saying this. Yes. Uh, and then there was Tracy Morgan. It was, yes. A common theme with these guys that really annoys me, um, because whenever black comedian, comedians kind of settle for black people do this, mm-hmm. white people do this, then I realize that they're kind of scraping the bottom of they, they Their talent is limited. Did you think the first guy was like that? No. He okay. he kind of he was he talked about my some favorite relevant, out of all three. Was he? Yeah. And he I think he was consistent. Minutes. I just didn't think he was that funny yeah i would agree with that um but he did talk about relevant stuff like he stuff in the news and stuff which is i appreciate when comedians can point out something that's going on right right and not yeah fall back on stuff that the same comedians have been doing for 20 years right so and the second comedian and we should say that sitting at the front uh was this young man who was actually kind of um he was a heckler yes and he was heckling Pretty much all, all of, of them, them. Yeah. yeah. And they all dealt with him in a different way. Right. I guess the first guy was the most tolerant. I don't think he even acknowledged him, did he? He, he might, have, have. might have, like, you know, looked at him or something. Right. But I don't think he. And this guy was a biracial individual. Right. right. Which uh, the second comedian actually referred to him as a sand uh, N-word. Yes. Which is a uh, d- disparaging remark for anyone from Middle East. Yes, yes. And the guy at the front uh, felt it necessary to stand up and say that he was actually um, half black and half white. Right. Which the jury's still out on that. <laughs> I thought he looked like Johnny Mathis, like a young Johnny <laughs> Mathis. But Johnny Mathis is a lot cooler than this guy was. This guy was a jerk. At the yeah. same time, I don't know that word that the guy used really bugged me. It was a very diverse crowd. Yes. I mean, you had white people, black people, you know, but you had other, you had Asian, there was a Chinese guy there. Mm-hmm. And so when, first of all, you alienate some of your audience when you use terms like that. Right. I think you alienate a lot of the audience. Not only do you alienate the people you're not talking about, but sometimes you irritate the people you are talking right. about. Well, I think it depends on the audience and what you're saying. Right. When he said the sand N-word mm-hmm. thing, I think where we are, I hate to say it, but in the South, it may not have bothered as many no. of the There audience. were way more people laughing at that stuff than they were the nasty. I saw a lot of women laugh at that, laugh at him say that. Right. Which kind of pissed me off. Yeah. And... um Tracy Morgan, well, so that's one thing. Mm-hmm. I hate it when black comedians settle for, first of all, black people do this, white people do that. It gets old. Right. Because we were talking about this. 
Chris Rock, he does that, but he does it in a way that, for some reason, it makes me laugh, and it seems relevant. relevant. It doesn't seem like something. And Chris Rock is very relevant when it comes to stuff that's happening in the world today. And it's not all about sex. I think well, that, that was, was the where other the, thing. the difference was. They were talking about the difference between, like, the second guy who came out talked about how a young white woman masturbates as yeah. opposed to what he called a Jedi, which was this older black woman that, woman right. that he pointed to. And from what I could see, she wasn't enjoying it. No. The, the black woman. No, because he's an asshole. Right. And uh, so, yeah, the, the black and white comparison and the sex. There was so much sex talk. Right. And, and not even, like, clever or articulate sex comedy and the majority of the people there were white people that i could see i mean it was i would say maybe 70 percent of it were yeah i'd say that so as a black person when i see only black people on stage and they're pretty much only doing this kind of stuff right then i'm thinking what are these you know these people go home they think that's all we talk about all we think about that's me well it is isn't it (laughs) right (laughs) so and then tracy morgan it was He was a disappointment. I didn't think he was going to be great, but I thought he would be clever. And yes. And tra- tra- I will say this, and actually a, a friend of mine said this too. Tracy Morgan needs the setup. He has to have somebody to play off to really be effective and really be funny. He's not funny just standing around talking about stuff. So that, and, and I knew that, and I kind of wondered about that before we came in. Like, how will this be if he doesn't have like a... Like that give and take that he's got on Thirty Rock and David Letterman and all those those right. places where I like to watch him, but it but was still soft. Still on top of that, it was still. And he started off as a stand-up. I mean, that he didn't start off on TV shows or anything. But I didn't think anything. his stand-up was that funny before. I I didn't think he was that bad before, but I don't remember it being all sex I don't and stuff like he that. He used to tell a lot more stories about when he was growing up because right. I remember him telling about a friend that he had called Premier. And he would tell stories about him in Premiere. And that was funny. Right. But, so. I mean, can I just ask a question? Hmm. Why do black comics feel the need to identify all the black people in the room before they start their bit? Um, Where are all the black people? What if there were no black people? Would they just leave? Oh, well, if there's no black people. I don't think all there, black comics do that, but I a think. A lot do. Um, well, first of all, I think as a black artist, it's probably not something you say, but if you go out, if you're a black musician, even you feel a kind of like like I'm into jazz music, and I know these guys when they go out, they see a sea of white faces, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, why aren't black people? This is our music. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they coming to the show? And I think I don't know, maybe for comedians, it's the same thing. Yeah, and they need they maybe they feel like some of their jokes are only relevant to. Certain audience, I don't know. Maybe they are because they weren't really. But I mean, I am glad that we didn't sit right up front because, you know, being a (laughs) interracial pairing, (laughs) they definitely would have said something. Yes, and the first, the second guy, especially, he kind of immediately went for that joke. Right. So I was glad we weren't up there too. And uh, and Tracy Morgan goes. I'm going to say the word, but he goes, where are the niggers at? And there's this woman, I don't know where she was, but she's like, they're over here. (laughs) I didn't hear that. Yeah, I was like, hey, wait a minute. Okay, lady. Yeah. Where are you so I can punch you in the face? (laughs) But, um, yeah, and then he also, he was pretty uh, homophobic in a lot of his jokes. 
is bad. Which that didn't go well with anyone, really. By the end of the night, I looked around, and probably about, of the 30 or 40 women I could see, maybe five of them were laughing, maybe. Most most of the men were still laughing, but it had gotten considerably, the the kind of hype and excitement that everybody felt, you could tell the room had just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah. And re- seriously, what was up with sitting down? He sat down for two thirds of the show, and not on a like a bar stool because I've seen comedians sit up on a stool. He sat like in a folding chair. Yeah, you could barely I could could barely see him <laughs> around the guy's head and sitting in front of me. Yeah, I don't know. He may have been tired. That's I mean, amazing. the chair was out there when we got there. We so. paid good damn money for that for him to sit on stage. Are you serious? I was disappointed in that. Yeah. So anyway, check out Tracy Morgan if you want. Right. I'm waiting for Dave Chappelle to come. I bet he would be very interesting. Yeah, I bet he would, too. I love his stand-up. Yeah. Well, I love Dave Chappelle. Chris Rock makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just talking about black comedians. Yeah. Um, but when you have to resort to sex jokes and just black-white stuff, I'm pretty much done with you. Agreed. Yep. That goes back to, like, the, the Tyler Perry movies. It's like, yeah, we've been there. You're not exploring any new territory. Just, I'm not interested. Pack it up. Yep. Pack it up. (laughs) Okay. All right. What else? We went to a uh, birthday party last weekend. We did. Happy birthday, Julie. Can we say her age? Big 30, yeah. 30? She cares. Yeah. Big 3-0. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, in her new-ish house that she purchased very last nice year. Very nice house. Very nice house, yes. Um, had a little backyard barbecue fiesta, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah, they had a piñata. and mm-hmm. yeah, Lots of delicious treats. You provided the uh, music. I did. You provided well, the music. Yes, the music. I merely provided we worked the on the music by which to listen together. to music. Yes. yes, we created a list of songs. It seemed to go over well. I saw people bobbing, bobbing their, heads their heads, and yeah. yeah, and a lot of beer and other Camaraderie. beverages, and yeah, yes. it's very hot. It was a violent thunderstorm came through. Yes, drove us all inside. But yes, but it was still a good time. Yeah, we had a good time. So happy birthday, Julie! Yep. Here's to another great year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. One thing we should mention. Yes. Going back to Tracy Morgan, we noticed a guy, and he drove up, and you said you thought he was driving a Porsche. Did yeah, you say a Porsche? The only reason I said it was a Porsche was because the guys, we were standing in line to get into the show. Right. The guys behind us were like, oh, this is the fourth time this guy's, he kept coming around because he wanted to park close to the building. Right. And they were like, oh, here comes that guy in his Porsche again. He so, reminded me of Kanye West. Not not that he looked like him, but Kanye like seems to always have the sunglasses yeah, on. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that's the thing. The guy had on dark sunglasses when he was driving the Porsche. It's, it was, the show was at 9, what time? 9.45. So yeah. obviously it's late at night. <laughs> right. And then when he gets in the club, he still has dark <laughs> sun sunglasses on. Him, and they're turning down the lights. I'm like, how can you see anything? I don't think he can. Maybe he had glaucoma or something, but still. Just very weird. You still don't need sunglasses at night if you have glaucoma. No. What a weirdo. And he wasn't blind, so I didn't really see How the do point. you know? Because I saw him take off his glasses and look at someone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Plus, he was kind of driving a car. So. 
I gave it away. What? Although I read that Ray Charles used to ride a motorcycle around um, South Carolina. I sometimes drive with my eyes closed. Do you? Yeah, just to see what happens. Really? Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm not riding with you anymore. Good. Um, but I also had a question for you. What's your question? If you're, for a man, if you're at a table mm-hmm. in a restaurant mm-hmm. with a lot of people, and you're sitting across from a woman who is showing a lot of cleavage, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> wouldn't you say that you would expect a man to kind of glance at that? Would I expect a man to glance at would, it? Would would you or not be surprised? A man glance at would it? you be surprised if a man I would not be a surprise I would not be a surprised. I would not be surprised, no. Yeah. But first of all, cuz I we talked about this and you said you had an etiquette question and then when you told me it was about cleavage I knew where you were going. <laughs> I think here's what I think the problem is. Do you know what situation I'm referring to? No. Okay. We we had a um uh a birthday celebration for someone this past week yeah at a mexican restaurant and there was someone sitting across from me who kind oh. of oh oh yes i know exactly who you're talking yeah. about and i actually meant to say something to you about like gesture to you over there because yeah. she, she's like, this particular person is very very cute she so. is, she's an attractive woman yes yes, yes. um but she, but i think I think just, this sounds stupid to say as a society, but I think people in general look each other up and down. And that's not polite, but we all do it, right? Like, you're not supposed to sit here and, like, look someone up and down. But I do it whenever somebody walks in the room. It's just, Have it, it is what it is. Well, but you know what bothers me about that? What bothers is when you, you <laughs> <laughs> When I first encounter, like, a woman that I've never seen before. Yeah. And she glances at my face, but she spends more time looking at my clothes. Than she does at me. Okay. That bothers me. See, I do face, quick glance, and then I return to eye contact. Yeah. Is that normal? Is that what you prefer? Yes. I, mean, I'm not, I prefer I'm you look more like... Like on your package or whatever. I, well, I prefer that you look at my face longer than you look at what I'm wearing. What I'm right. wearing doesn't truly tell you who well, I am. I'm just kidding. But no, what I, what I was trying to say was, I think that as itself is impolite. You're supposed to look someone in the eye... You're not supposed to be sussing people up by what they wear, how much cleavage they have. But I think it's natural. You know what I mean? Yes. So to answer your question, is it polite? No. Are guys going to do it? Yes. Do okay. I wish I could? Do I wish I is could wear expected? shirts that make me feel beautiful without without feeling like men are looking at down my shirt? Yes. But, but I know that's not the reality of the situation. Does a woman expect a guy to look when she wears stuff expect? like that? Yes. I don't think they expect it to. I think they know it's going to happen. I don't go sit down and say, I expect you to look at my tits. You agree that this person had a lot of cleavage showing? Yes, she did have a lot. No, she may have expected. She may have wanted people to well, look. Well, that's my question. But I don't know what expect. I don't know if I that's, would use that word. For all you ladies out there who are listening, <laughs> when you yeah. wear low-cut dresses or blouses or whatever, mm-hmm. what is your expectation when... Well, it depends men. on who you're encountering. Just men. If I wear a dress that happens to show a little bit more up top, and I'm like, you know, hanging out with my dad, I don't expect him to look. No, not your dad, but, but I mean, going, when you encounter men on the street, when you pass them by, when you have the waiter at your at the restaurant come and take your order. If none of these men, if every single man looked you right in the eye and never looked at your cleavage, would you be disappointed? Is yeah. that what you're saying? No, I wouldn't be disappointed. Do you think women would be? 
I wouldn't be. I can't speak for all women. <laughs> well, I then, can't. Okay, well, then I would, and I know no woman's going to write. Maybe Lisa will, since she listens to the show. But I would like to hear the opinion of women and charity. on why they wear charity stacked. shirts she like that. Charity is stacked. Um, I hope I didn't offend her <laughs> by saying that. It's a compliment, really. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to answer William's question, you can email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com or you can just call William directly at 555. If you, yeah. Do me. If you had four guys standing in line at a cafeteria counter and three of them had their pants pulled up correctly <laughs> and one of them had plumber's crack showing and he did it on purpose, so he always wore his pants that way. Do you <laughs> But you can't you can't make that comparison. Why? Because men don't do that on purpose. A and B. I don't think men do. No. What that's about not the a fair comparison. okay? What about the men that wear these tight shirts where they're probably a yeah, little I bit think, tighter than they should be, and their their pecs are like. I think they want women to look, but that's a certain type of man and a certain type of article. Of okay, clothing. so do you when you wear shirts that show your muscles? Do you expect women no? Because to look? I don't have. You do. You have very nice shoulder and arm muscles. Okay. But you just answered my question, that there, there are some women who do that for to get... Yes, I already at. said that, though. But, but I, 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 don't, I can't answer your question on a whole. Do women expect men to look at their I playlist? understand you can't answer that question. It's, uh, it's a question I had. I'm sure it is. A because question the, this woman had her cleavage out, and I glanced at it, and then I, I, she, she didn't catch me. But I felt like if you did catch me, can you really get angry with me? No, if I, if, I don't I, if think it's you, not a lingering glance. I, well, especially with the shirt she was wearing, I don't think you can get angry. Okay. I mean, I think that's... Is that more what you're getting at? Yeah, kind okay. of. Can you be offended if, if I, you catch me like glance? Like I'm, but not like, you know... No. Like I'm crying when I'm looking at him. And actually, it's funny you say that because uh, several weeks ago... Uh, our friend Stephen and I encountered a woman who had on a rather, and who is notorious for wearing these types of low-cut articles of clothing. Mm-hmm. And when we sort of walked away from her, he turned to me and said, "Okay, so when you walk around with your rack out, I'm not supposed to look at it." Right. <laughs> so apparently, she'd given him a dirty look after she caught him <laughs> looking at it. See. And I was like, "It's the art of just sneaking a glance." But I feel bad for. Because, yes, I feel like if you have them out like that, you should expect to be looked at in a certain way or glanced at. At the same time, I think of movies like that Jodie Foster movie, The Accused. Yes. Where she's raped. Yes. And they say, people are like, well, look how you dressed. What did you expect? Right. Which I don't agree with. Um, But. Yeah. yeah, And it, it bothers me, you know, sometimes. I like to wear something pretty because I'll be spending the evening with a gentleman whose attention I enjoy. And you're stacked I don't as want well. everybody and my what? And you're stacked as well. So Yes, and I don't want every man that I encounter oogling me. I, I just, you know, it's not for them, but I understand it because okay. you can't I can't just say no, these aren't these for aren't you for to you. look at. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you know, speaking of that, there's this uh, vagina monologue that's part of the vagina monologues. It's called My Short Skirt. And it's basically the first line is, my short skirt is definitely not for you. Some women dress that way because it makes them feel good. So I don't feel feel good answering for all of womankind. I think some women, it is for them. And if... I understand. No, I know, understand. 
It is for them. Right. This is how I like to dress, like the right. Aaron Brockovich thing. Right. But can you be offended if you see a man not well, that's staring? Another, it's a hard question for me to answer because yeah. I feel like I sort of let down my own kind by saying, yeah, you do need to kind of expect that. But then on the other hand, I feel like if that's how you dress to feel good about yourself, you don't deserve to be. How, like, where do you draw the line? Exactly. Is staring enough? Is him making a comment? Is that is that okay? Is him whistling? Is him touching? Is that okay? You being assaulted? Is that you know what right. I mean? Like this can get pretty heavy. So I feel like it's a, a delicate balance. Okay, it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah, because some women, if a guy whistled, you'd be like, oh well, thank right. you, and then right. others would be like, oh, I feel like I've been violated. Exactly. So be reaching for your mace. And it's not a, um, I mean, it's not an illegitimate feeling either way. I mean, no. Well, it's the same, I mean, it's the same with men. There's certain men's behinds look very attractive in flat front dress pants. (laughs) And so is it not right for me to... Are you talking about someone specifically? I'm trying to think I might be. Yeah, who? I'm not going to tell you. Just whisper it But is it, I'll tell you at a later time. Do we work with this guy? (laughs) You don't know who I'm talking about. It could be you. I don't wear flat front pants. My pleats come out to like five feet. You wear jeans, don't you? Yeah, that's because you have a giant member. So you have I'm to- cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, as women, are we, if a guy wears pants that make his booty look good, are we allowed to look? Or is it rude? I think you're allowed to look. Um, but where does it stop? I think that's different, though. It's not, really. It's just that there's a... But I don't think men wear pants to showcase their asses. I bet some men do. Maybe. You don't have a particular outfit where you're like, I look good in this. I may think that, yeah, but... You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously different because we're talking about gender roles and... The way we interact with each other is opposite sexes. So there's and it's always in the back differences. as well. I mean, how many men are going to catch you looking at their asses? It's like. <laughs> right, that's true. Yeah. Right. So, okay. All right. So basically, stop checking out people's tits, I think, is the well, short. Well, they need to stop sitting across from me <laughs> while I'm eating my. You sat across from her, actually, because she was there first. She was there first. So. But I sat there so I could sit next to you. Well, you saved me that particular seat, knowing that. <laughs> A couple of udders were right across from me. That particular seat. <laughs> but I didn't know that that was going to happen. All right. I didn't know you'd be sitting across from three people. Street people? Three people. Oh. So anyway, <laughs> on to other subjects. Yes. <laughs> um, so a few days ago, last week, I guess, um, apparently, and I don't know what the motive is. It doesn't sound like police know what the motive is either. Well, okay, go ahead. But a German, this happened in in Germany. Uh, there was a group of Hell's Angels gathering at a at some kind of club near Munich, and a German student came in. He was only wearing a pair of shorts. He was carrying a puppy, and he it's first like, <laughs> sorry. It's like the beginning of a bad joke. <laughs> yeah. I know. So a German guy walks into a Hell's Angels bar, but he first pulls down his shorts and moons the groups of Hell, Hell's Angels. Hell's Angels, only before throwing a puppy at them and thereafter escaping on a bulldozer. So I don't I don't know. It says that the police think that he was he had stopped taking depression medication. Right. 
which I is think, interesting. Why? But still strange nonetheless. I think when you when you're on medication, depending on how much you need or whatever, and depending and you on what get the off, disease is that you're being treated for. Right. Depression medication tr- medication you treats be a lot of manic, bipolar. Schizo. Yep. Yep. I think once you get off of that, it could cause you to do a lot of irrational things. One being mooning a hell's, <laughs> hell's angel. angel. And I will say this, because it's never funny when animals get hurt. The puppy is being cared for in an animal shelter. Right. And we would never laugh at a puppy being thrown anywhere. But it is kind of funny that he mooned through a puppy and escaped <laughs> on a bulldozer. And was it his puppy, or did he just, was he driving <laughs> along shirtless? See a puppy, grab <laughs> it, and go to this clubhouse. I'm going to fuck with these guys with this puppy. (laughs) What I want to know is, did he arrive on the bulldozer? Because it says he escapes on a bulldozer from a nearby building site. Did he roll up in a bulldozer? (laughs) How do you... You can never use the words get away and bulldozer in the same sentence. Yeah, bulldozer. It says, uh, drove so slowly that a five-kilometer tailback... I don't know what that means. Built up, oh, it's probably must a running a back for jam. a football team. That's no, a, that must be what they call it. A five, so five oh. kilometers of traffic built up behind him on the street. That's how slow <laughs> he was driving. And that he drove about one kilometer an hour. He abandoned the bulldozer in the middle of the motorway near Allershausen and continued his journey by hitchhiking. Who is picking up this guy is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, hey, dude, dude I, I saw you a couple miles back. Where's your puppy? <laughs> And your shirt. And your bulldozer. Cool bulldozer. <laughs> Where'd you get those rims? <laughs> it's got dubs on the bulldozer. And I just love the headline. Puppy <laughs> puppy thrown at German biker gang. Yes. <laughs> biker gang. I love it. Uh, so that's that's what's going on. I didn't even know they had, they, they had Hell's Angels in Germany. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Are they called Hell's Angels? No. So... That, that's your international news brought to you by the Vagabond Exchange. I think that happened like two weeks ago, but it's still funny. It gets a good thing he didn't get on the Autobahn with that bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> they would have messed that guy up. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so you know what? What? Because we're talking about news items. We have a couple of more minutes. I listen to like a lot of news on uh, online. Mm-hmm. And there's like a... A station called 1010 Winds in New York and a station called KYW in Philadelphia. Okay. They always had the, they still do it, the teletypes, like they had in the olden days. Oh, really? When they do the news, it's always, you can hear the teletypes in the background. That's awesome. So I'm thinking, like, sometimes when we do news items, I may just... You may phase into that? Yeah. That's cool. But, um, not that we have to talk about this to any lengthy extent, but is there anything that's happened in the news recently that... Like, I was wondering what, how you felt about this Al Gore thing. I don't really know much about it other than a really strange story that this masseuse told in very articulate and precise language. Right. Yeah, I mean, all I know is that I guess She's she, been accused, right? Yeah. Okay. And this was years ago. Right. And she kind of let it go. Now, all of a sudden, it's coming. It's resurfaced after the announcement of his divorce. Right. That's so what it just seems I don't know if that's the, weird it's relevant me. because of the, is the divorce due to this Right. Or is her coming at like? Is she seeing this as an opportunity to? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, and I, I was going to ask you, can you see Al Gore doing something like that? No, but there are a lot of people what, you can't see doing stuff. In. That's true. It's like we listen to Tony like John Kornheiser. Edwards. Yeah, well, he's a, but it's not something shady about that guy. And he's like too, too pretty. Yeah, you know, 
What were you saying about Tony Kornheiser? Well, he says, you know, after OJ, it's like you you don't know anybody. Right. Agreed. So, Agreed. Well, yeah. like uh, Steve McNair. Would you have ever thought that he... I mean... I would have, I've never. I know this is terrible. And this is, you know, this is very relevant because that was a year ago. Yeah. that he was found dead. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Athletes are. I'm never surprised when it's an athlete, because there's so few that I feel like. I mean, they all. I've never not heard of an athlete who doesn't do some kind of charitable work. I mean, even the the slushiest of them, you know, do a United Way commercial from time to time. But right. it's. I'm never like, oh my gosh, are you serious? He did what? Because yeah. it, seems, it seems like you have to be a badass to be an a- any kind of athlete. And then to be an athlete of that stature, and you're traveling all the time. Right. And you're exposed Immense to so pressures. many. pressures. Yeah. Right. Right. It didn't surprise me that Steve McNair was fooling around. Mm-hmm. It surprised me the type of person. I, I guess I felt like he would have better judgment than yeah. that than to fool around, first of all, with somebody whose boyfriend doesn't seem to be on the up and up. Seems. Right. And then someone so, I don't know. She seemed a little unstable. Unstable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. But I know a lot of people who I didn't find out were unstable <laughs> until I <laughs> until I got to know them better. Yeah, that's true. So, I, I mean, I understand. And I'm like, I guess, I guess it's the same way with politicians. That's a lonely job. And it's not only is it lonely, but you have, especially if you're talking about like a John Edwards or an Al Gore, you have a lot of pressure and a lot of, it's probably hard to know who to trust and who you can confide in. I can, I can. It's not only, yeah, it's not only lonely, but it's also extremely powerful. I mean, if you think of a senator, you only have a hundred of these guys. Right. And women. And it has to be women too, because you have this woman in South Carolina running for the governorship. (laughs) Yeah. Two guys accused her of sexual impropriety yes so So. i mean i can as as much as i know i've not said nice things at the older i get the more i can understand it yeah not understand it to the the to the degree of like a tiger woods kind of thing but i can i can see how they get themselves in those situations and feel either invincible or just like this is the only release i have you know what i mean I think the the surprising thing with Al Gore is that he went so long and he was married for so, so long, long, but he went also went so long without anything like right. this right. coming to light. Right. And also that he worked with a guy that was, you know, completely, who yeah. didn't seem to be in control. <laughs> right. Who doesn't really seem to give a shit about it either. <laughs> right. Yeah, I did it. He's probably going to pick up one of Deal the with bridesmaids it. at his daughter's <laughs> wedding. Oh, that's, I feel sorry for their kids. It's so Mm-mm. For all everybody, you know, yeah. Chelsea, Tiger's kids, Steve McNair's kids, especially to yeah. lose your dad and find out that he was <sighs> dipping his pen in the sugar bowl. You and know? he's murdered. I mean, right. a lot of these guys, they find yeah. out their dads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Tiger was I think what I last read was that Eileen is getting a hundred million. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Yeah, are you proud of yourself? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, they, they signed a signed a prenup. I mean, I think that she... I don't think that's what she signed for. No, it's not. So obviously he did... I mean, she... I think it's hush money part uh, of yeah, it. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean... I would never go as far as to say that she earned it, but... 
that's a really shitty circumstance to be in. And if $100 million makes it a little bit better, then take it and get the hell out of here is what I would do. I would, honestly, if if that happened to me, I wouldn't turn it down. I mean, do you expect her to turn it down and be like, no, Tiger, you earned this money? Well, I don't know. I don't know if he said, this is what I'll give you. I think she said, this is what I want. And they probably haggled it out. Maybe. And you'll be surprised by me saying this, but I think she deserves it. I didn't think she deserved $700 million, no, like what no. I was reading initially. Right. But all she's been through, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you screwed your old lady over. And that's, the, I mean, that's ultimately, like, the, no in amount a, of money. In a very money, public way. Right. And no amount of money is going to make that family whole again. No amount of money is going to repair that marriage and probably her subsequent relationships. So I, you know, if a hundred million dollars makes it a little bit better, good, yeah. good for her. Yeah, and it's not like it's going to hurt him. Right, and his golf game's gone to pot. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's that's ultimately what sucks. I think all of this has has ruined him. Yeah, maybe in a couple of years there will be some Oprah interview and he'll make a big comeback. But I think for now he's he did it to himself, and that's sad because yeah. he has a lot of. I think about my little cousins that look up to him. Right. That sucks. That's the other sucky thing about sports. And we've been watching a lot of baseball, and you got all these pitchers out there now, these Strasburg and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I love it that these pitchers have come along, mm-hmm. and they're just obliterating these batters. Yep. It's because you, you're not in the steroid era anymore. Right. But we work with a guy that just adored Roger Clemens, and you think you grow up as a kid just putting these guys on pedestals. Yep. A-Rod. And, right? I used to I used to love A-Rod. I used to watch Mariners games for A-Rod. And now I'm like... Really, this guy? Yeah. Well, so only- what, do, what do you tell your kids, though? When they, they idolize a guy, what do you tell them? I think you tell them that everybody makes bad decisions, and I think you have to show them what happens to them when they make bad decisions. What I'm saying is, what do you tell them? Like, if a kid idolizes Derek Jeter, yeah. who has no dirt on him so right. far, right? do you just not say anything, or do you say, you know, we're all imperfect? Mm-hmm. I think you have to be real with your kids about things like that, and not just... The Derek Jeters of the world. I mean, Miley freaking Cyrus. How many <laughs> girls love her? Yeah. You have to say, here's a person that has great talent. She's cute. Looks like she's got a good family. But you don't know what goes on outside of here. And it's a really hard job. And there's a lot of things that are asked Do you of think you. that registers with a kid? I think it does. I think kids are smarter than, than we give them credit for. Especially when you're talking about kids who really understand, would understand the concept of good and bad. Kids know what drugs are. Yeah. Kids know what what sex is. Too little of clothing is. I mean, that's. So I do think, you think? I think you can have a, an adult conversation like that with a kid. I think you. I think they get that. So right away, you think it's the responsibility of the parent to, mm-hmm. whenever a kid likes someone, to say. I well, mean, and I also what think point? it depends on how much they like them. You know, like I remember. Um, when my brothers were kids, I can't remember who the baseball player was, but my brother Aaron, he worshipped. I can't. It was he was a tiger, and I can't remember who he was. Posters everywhere, you know, whatever. And I just think like if something had happened with him, he would have been crushed. Right. But I think you know. So when does your if dad I'm, sit if I'm down listening with to Miley Cyrus on my way home from school, as opposed to me having every video that she owns and talking about her all the time? I mean, there's there's a balance there where you don't. It's not like you have to give a kid that precursor every time they like someone. But so do you think your dad? I'm out. Probably. Nothing yeah. ever happened, so it's not a big right, deal. Right. But do you think there was a point where your dad should have said? Yeah, I think he should have. 
I don't think he did, but I think he should have. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you think that? I think, um, yeah. I mean, because I really liked M- Michael Jordan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it never occurred to me that, yeah, I think somebody needs to plant that seed, you know, mm-hmm. just to say. It's like believing in Santa Claus. Right. How long do you go? Right. Like my mom told me right out, pretty much out of the womb. <laughs> Your Santa Claus is right here. <laughs> right. So, right. But, I mean, <laughs> other people want to keep that fantasy going. But yeah. how long do you, do you do that? Yeah. Before you potentially crush your kid yeah and i there we there's another woman that we work with who says now that she waited too long to tell her daughter because her daughter was like defending santa to kids in her class and and when her mom finally told her she got really upset and said mom i looked really stupid in front of these kids she was upset and i don't you know and see it's at the risk but i almost feel like parents and i'm totally speaking out of term because i don't have kids but i feel like and i and i know from talking to women who've confided this in me, they don't want to see that innocence lost in their kid. And so they feel like they're letting them hold on to that a little bit longer. But I think that's more for the parent than it is for the kid. I think at some point it's like, that. you know what I mean? Yeah. I was the opposite of that. Cause I was in second grade and I was doing like the Malcolm X thing. You've been had, you've been hoodwinked about Santa and the teacher yanked me out and said, you can't do Good. this. She should have you little shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it's true. You've been had. You've been hoodwinked. Yeah. So. I'm writing a letter to your mom. My mom knows it. Well, she's <laughs> the one that put me in that position where I'm enlightening all these yeah. dunderheads. And my brother and sister-in-law have done that with my nephew. They, But they've told him, you, this is something that we that stays inside the family. Don't go tell your friends and other kids about this. But Well, that's to be admired. Right. To think, because I know your sister-in-law really loves Christmas. Yes, she does. She does. But she also, they're also devout Christians. So the idea uh, of Santa, they want to make him, they want him to, re- him to recognize that the reason he's so blessed at Christmas time is because we're celebrating the birth of the king and right. all of that good stuff. Okay. So there's, it's kind of, it's a little bit different. I don't want to. So that, I guess that's the key. You have to find a balance there. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. How do, wow. we, how do we get on a... I have no idea. We how do we get on about Santa? Oh, baseball, Tiger Woods, Steve McNair. Okay. I like to link back. Admiring to athletes. Yes. Right. But how do we get on Steve McNair? Al Gore. We were, talking, we were talking about Al, Al Gore. Gore. Al Gore to Santa Claus. You can only get in on the Vagabond Exchange. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And if you would like to email or contact the Vagabond Exchange with ideas or suggestions, like our friend Joe and our friend Columbus Dan, who we'll talk about in a moment, you can email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Vagabond Exchange. No E, Vagabond X-C-H-A-N-G-E on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so we do have to give a quick shout out to our newly engaged friend Columbus Dan. Um, who has also agreed to become a correspondent of sorts for the Vagabond Exchange. So tune in, because there's going to be some good things happening at the Columbus Dance last is just, six months of this year. Sorry, Columbus Dance should just record, like do it, and then send it to us, and we'll add it into our, uh, yeah. you know, some Columbus, Ohio news, yeah. because there's plenty of stuff going on up there. Like Bob and Tom used to have this guy uh, named Tom Bedore, who did this thing called Vague But True. Well, thank you very much. 
<laughs> and it was really, really funny. And he always, t- I liked it because he, uh, he moved from California to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so he talked about the Midwest, which was really, really funny. I mean, he made fun of a Midwesterners, so it was funny. And so maybe we could do something like that. Just plug it in for our listeners. Because Dan's really effing funny. He is, he is funny. And yes. I would like to hear what it's like to be in the life of an, an engaged man. Yes. Because I've never been there. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Especially as he gets closer and closer to the, uh, the date. Right. And yeah. he's marrying a Canadian. Yeah, so. so we're trying not to hold that against him. Hey, <laughs> I like Canadians. And you Actually, better not yeah. diss Canadians either, mister. I like mister. Canadians a lot. Yes. And I like Canada. Yes. And we're going back, right? Yes. So. Yeah, and that's the other thing. We've got some trips coming up. We're going to Michigan in about a month. Yeah. Um, possible San Francisco trip on the horizon. So... Not to bore you guys, but we're going back. That's right. And then uh, Toronto at the end of the year. Yep. I feel like we need to say it so it'll actually happen. We're going to San Francisco and we're going to Toronto. Yes. And we'll probably squeeze in a road trip somewhere in between there. We have like a half a day we need to know. (laughs) (laughs) You have like eight days. I've got like a half day. Okay. So thanks for listening. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, that's it. I don't want to wrap it up. Nope. That's prematurely. That is it. All right. All right. right. Hey, Harry Brown (laughs) and... What name have you been? James Franco. <laughs> That's right. James Franco. James Franco. So um, we'll see you in a few weeks. Enjoy and happy 4th. Yep. Bye. Bye. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.